Church is sounding good this morning. Uh, Amanda was over here and she said, hey, you, you just may want to explain to everybody that there is an odor in the building. It's not normally like this. Uh, we do apologize. Uh, I, I promise Chase is, is cleaned and sanitized and walked in yesterday evening and I'm like, ooh, there's something and we can't find it. Okay, we just know that uh, it's worse back there, which unfortunately is where our, our air conditioning work is, which means it's getting sucked into the air conditioning and going throughout the entire building. So, sorry about that. All right, so today is the uh, first day that all four sites have been in church together in, in over a month, right? And uh, so we're still trying to figure out, everybody's asking, we appreciate the thoughts, the prayers, uh, we're still trying to figure out some things out with Amanda and her health. She's got a couple of doctor's appointments and some more tests that need to be run uh, in the coming weeks. We, so we, we covet your prayers. We certainly do. Uh, but she's here today. Stella's here today. Everybody's good. And, and we're, we're excited to be here today. Uh, we take our health for granted sometimes. And, and it's moments like this uh, that, that we are reminded that we are all vulnerable. To, to infection, to disease. And that statement, this truth, applies to more than just our physical bodies and, and our health. We are all susceptible to infection within our souls, within our hearts. The Bible calls this the, the sin nature that everyone struggles with. And so today, as you can see, we're talking about becoming like Jesus, and we're talking about purity as Jesus, the Bible says, is pure. Uh, so you're going to need your communion packets as part of our response time today. So I just want to make sure everybody has one. Uh, if you don't, Caleb will bring you one. You can just raise your hand, and he'll get one at the end of the sermon. We're just going to we're going to take communion together. Uh, do you need one, Mike? As a, as a family. Um, and so... Make sure you have one of those, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. All right, let's pray again, and we will dive into this. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity once again, Lord, to be with like-minded people. Open up your word to let it speak into our lives. So that's my prayer now. Meet us where we are. We love you, and we pray these things in your son. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. That's kind of at the far right if you're opening up your Bible. Uh, if, you, if you get to the maps, you've gone too far. If you get to, you know, a book that's got some dragons and other beasts and Jesus and tattoos, you've still gone too far, uh, but you're close. So it's 1 John chapter 3. If not, it's going to come up on the screen. So uh, follow along with me. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, 
and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is one who does not love his brother. All right, it's going to be a lot of meat today. You know, normally we got meat, potatoes, and a little bit of dessert. Today there's just going to be a lot of straightforward meat. So let's let's go verse by verse here. Um, the ESV is my favorite translation. It's what I read. It's what I study. However, there are times when other translations do a better job of capturing what the author and what the original language is really saying. The ESV is a literal word-for-word -word translation. And sometimes you really need to capture the entire thought to grasp what the Greek is actually saying. And so the NIV, in my opinion, does a, a better job of this for verse 1. L listen to this, right? See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. And that's the point that John is trying to make. It's the, it, it has everything to do with what we just read in Psalms chapter 63. God loves you so much that his love has been lavished upon you. You hear that word lavish. A lot of times it has some negative connotations. Uh, the word prodigal, the prodigal son, lived a, lived a lavish lifestyle. It's not the case right here. When you hear the word lavish, think of, think of an abundance or excessive. Or, or better yet, you can even take this. It, it's almost gaudy, right? I mean, that, that, that's, how, that, that's how great his love for you and I really is. It's, it's excessive. And his love rains down on us. I, I love what Paul says in Ephesians. He says, oh, how wide and deep is the love that the Father has for his children. It's, it's forever that way. It's forever that way. We can't even imagine how great the love for the, that the Father has for you and I. In, in verse 60, or, or Psalm 63, we read it, your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. The psalmist knew. The psalmist figured out what so many of us miss or forget. God's love for you and I is in abundance, and it will never run out. You jump to verse 2, then he, John reiterates what he's saying in verse 1. Beloved. That, I mean, church, that's what God thinks of you this morning. Okay? You are, the word is highly cherished. You are highly cherished. God loves you for who you are, and your identity isn't found in, in how your co-workers view you or how your neighbors view you. Your identity isn't how your classmates or your customers or your boss see you. 
your identity this morning as a follower of Jesus is that we are his children. And John is talking to Christians right here, and certainly believers are, are, are listening to me right now. We are his children now, verse 2 says. And that should give us all some comfort and assurance. Because I'm telling you right now, there's days when I want to beat myself up. There's days when, when I feel like I might be kicked out of the family for some of my actions, for some of my, my behavior. There, there's days where, where I let Satan play thoughts with my mind and say, I'm, I'm not good enough to be included. And God's up here like, you don't, you don't understand. You, you, I don't care about your past. I care about your future moving forward. But you are my children, and you are my children now. Don't miss the second part of verse 2. What we will be like, it says, has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Hello. I don't know if y'all heard that yet this year or not. But we have spent we have spent 30 some odd weeks now talking about this journey of becoming like Jesus. It's sprinkled all throughout the New Testament that, that God's desire for your life isn't that you just accept the salvation that, that Jesus offers with, with coming to him with the sacrifice made on the cross, but, but you desire that you will have this desire of becoming like him. And John's like, hey, when he appears... We shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And so this whole year, we've looked at the very characteristics of Jesus so that you and I can learn those characteristics, his love and what love is, his gentleness. I know, I'm still working on it. One of the first priority themes is, uh, for one of the months, is gentleness. And, and our entire team that were there the other day said, hey, you're leaving. You're leaving that month, Michael. Like, I might be sick in the month of March. Right? So we're on this lifelong journey of becoming like him. And, and John says the same thing that Philippians says, that we come to completion when we enter into his physical presence. That's what Philippians 1.6 says. That, that when Jesus returns, when we come into his presence, that's when the journey is over and we will be made complete. Until then, every waking moment, every day, is an opportunity for my life to reflect who Jesus is to others and to grow to become more like him. And then verse 3, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. There it is. He's pure. He's, he's white as snow. There's not a blemish on who he is. But it says that I am to do my part in being purified. I, I have this hope in him, but then John says that, that whoever has this hope in him, or hope, who hopes in him, therefore purifies himself. Well, wait a minute. That, 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 that's kind of confusing, and I'm, I'm not sure. I want, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Here's the thing. I, I am to do my part in being purified. Now, here's what everyone must know about this text. I cannot work my way into heaven. 
I, I cannot do enough good things in life to purify myself. I, I, I can stop and help every stranded motorist. I can buy every all the food in the world for for all the uh, the homeless people. You name it. You, you can read your Bible every single day. You, you can make the checklist of things that you have to do, and you can check all the boxes. Here's the thing. You can do all of this work. You're still not going to be pure. So what does this mean, then? He who hopes in him purifies himself. This verse makes the point that I am supposed to be purifying me. Here's the thing. I, I do have a role in the process of becoming like Jesus, right? Well, I mean, like, like, like God's just not going to just make us want to become like him. It's free will. I have a role in this process of becoming like Jesus. You've heard us talk a lot. It's a Bible word called sanctification. Right or progressive sanctification for some. Sanctification is the process of becoming like Jesus. Sanctification is this ongoing process where it is the spiritual maturation process that only happens when I completely surrender my life to Him. That's my role. If we want to talk about purification and purifying myself. That happens when I completely surrender my life to Jesus. Sanctification only happens when I acknowledge him, Jesus, as my Savior, which is saved, right? That's the one, hey, I need you, Jesus, and Lord. See, we, see, we, like, we like acknowledging Jesus as Savior. We like that fire insurance. We, we like knowing that, that there's a cushy inheritance waiting on me. But then there's this other part. There's this other, no, no, no. We, we are to surrender our lives to Jesus as Lord of our life. The purifying of himself happens when we have the complete mindset of, Lord, my life is yours. Do as you want. You know, Jesus, one of his early teachings, the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about navigating life. He's talking, he's talking about, he's teaching about fasting and prayer, and uh, there's the blessed hours, the whole Beatitudes, and, 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 and how to, to navigate life and, and how we view money. Talks about the ups, the downs, the worry, the good, the bad. And this is what he says. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I, I love how Dallas Willard says it. Being a follower of Jesus is living my life today the way Jesus would live my life if he were me. I give you that one often. I love it. Being a follower of Jesus is living my life today the way Jesus would live my life if he were me. That church is complete surrender. Every interaction with other people, when you go out to lunch in just a little while, you're going to go, you're going to sit down, or you're going to go to a, a fast food restaurant, and then they're going to be shorthanded. 
and there's going to be a party of 38 that just got in right before you, okay? And their order is going to get in front of yours, and you're going to have to wait, and it's going to be miserable. And every interaction that you have is an opportunity to surrender your life. Every thought that crosses your mind, every word spoken, these are the things that we are to surrender. Stella uh, has just ordered these, uh, these, these what would Jesus do bracelets. And I, and, I, and I love that this thing is still around. Like the, the, the whole what would Jesus movement, what would Jesus do movement started when, um, when I was in middle school, actually. And, and I know it's a little cliches, right? You know, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? But here's the thing. And she's like, hey, Dad, you probably need one of these. As a matter of fact, Dad, you need two. Uh, you should be having one on the other wrist, too. You know, she ordered a pack of ten or something. She's like, you, you, I'm going to keep one and you keep the rest, Abby. Um, but here's the thing. This complete surrender is having this mindset of thinking to myself, how would Jesus live in this moment if he were me? Because you got the flesh. I mean, you got the Michael side of things that, that I want to handle business, I want to do things. Oh, there's a long wait at the restaurant. Let, let me voice my opinion. Let, let, let me not be not so Jesus-like. That's what surrender looks like. That's the purification process. It only happens when we completely surrender. When I do this, I become like him. And it says purify yourself as he is pure. Right? Then you get to verses 4 through 9. And, and this could be confusing to grasp. Right? Here, here's the thing. You could read that, and you're like, oh, no, this is talking a lot about sin. And, 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 and there's some sin in my life. Hey, here's the thing. Church, I want, you to, I want you to walk out of here today knowing that you do not have to feel the pressure of trying to be perfect. Okay? Don't, don't read this text and think that I'm supposed to live a sinless life. Yes, it does say that Christ came to, to do away with sin, and that is definitely going to happen. But you don't have to try to be perfect, because you can't. You can try all you want. You're not going to do it. All right? You're a dirty, wretched sinner. I'm a dirty, wretched sinner. Your grandma is a dirty, wretched sinner. We are all dirty, wretched sinners. Okay? I mean, that's just, that's just the truth. I mean, Jesus is the only one who walked through this life and was perfect. So don't read this and think that, man, I'm, I must not be a child of God because I sinned yesterday. I mean, I got mad, it was hot, and something happened, and then I sinned again today on the way to church. When we were running late, Grandpa pulled out in front of me, and you know, I had to get the kids here to, to making waves, and just parents just so you know, they get wet today back there. So um, I don't... I don't I'm, Hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they're going home wet. So I hope you don't have a lot of afternoon plans. Um, and so, so you're trying to get to church on time, and, and your grandpa pulled out, and, and, and now you're, you're even all the more late, and you probably had some unpleasant thoughts in your mind. And then the kids are, you know, being kids, and you probably had to raise your voice, yell at them, maybe threaten to beat them once or twice about having a good attitude and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, man, I, I sinned on the way to church today. This is what John's saying. He's talking about us choosing to sin. 
He's not talking about the slip-ups. He's talking about, I choose to sin. And I say or I think to God, you know what, I know what is right, and I know what your word says about it. you put the sin in there that you want. But I'm going to make up my mind to do what I want to do. It is the I have habitual sin in my life with no regard for what God's word says. Man, if this is you, and I just, I, I say this out of love, and I say this with grace, I'd be concerned. If you are at the place where I choose to live my life the way I want to live my life, or I've got this issue, this thing in my life that I keep coming back to, even though I know what the Bible says, if that's you, I would be very concerned. And in our culture, this is rampant. In our culture, most of the time, the sin has to do with relationships. And you're like, well, yeah, that's because everything has to do with relationships. But I was thinking about this, and I was meeting with uh, my micro-network of ministers that, that uh, I, I meet with. We had this story just two weeks ago. A couple in, their, one, in one of them's church is choosing to live together outside of God's plan for marriage. And, and they're not even hiding it. They're like, hey, we want to be active leaders in the church and on the worship team, but, but, but we are, you know, yeah, we're living together. People choose to, to I, you, do you know what God's word says about marriage? Do you know what God's word says about, about, about sex outside of marriage? Yeah, but we don't really think it applies to us in this day and age. People choose all the time to justify their actions. Say, you know what, this doesn't apply to me. Or you and I, maybe the marriage thing, you've been married a long time. That's not, not an issue for you. What about the hard to love people in your life? Most of us have those people. If not, red flag, you're that person. We have the hard-to-love people in our lives, the people that, man, they just they need grace and they need compassion and they need it on a regular basis. And they're the people that you will do whatever you can to avoid them just so you don't have to pretend to be kind. You think, man, it's no big deal. But I'm choosing. And then what about this? Think about this in your own life, that the sin of omission, as the Catholics call it. Now, now the word, just so you know, sin of omission, that's not found in the Bible. Uh, James 4 is the basis of this thought, and, and there's some truth. Obviously, there's truth in James 4. So whatever, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. And how, how does that hit you? And if you know that you are supposed to be doing something, the right thing, and you choose not to do it, you are sinning. Now, in, in the church world, uh, we, we, we get the do not commands, right? There's a whole lot of do not commands in Scripture. Like, do not lie. Okay, I mean, I, I struggle with that sometimes, but for the most part, I get it. 
I only lie when it really benefits me, if it saves my tail from something. Or, or we get the do not cheat, you know. Or, or, or we get the do not get angry with people who do not know how to use an acceleration lane to get onto the belt line. Look here. We, we understand the do not commands found in Scripture. And all too often we treat it as a checklist of things. But there's also the commands of we things that we are supposed to do. What about the do's in the Bible? What about the things that Jesus says you are to go do this? See, here's the thing. The do nots, hey, we don't like, we do it to the best of our ability. The do's, these are the ones that make us the most uncomfortable if you think through it. They, they are the ones that require the most sacrifice. The do's are the ones that when I engage in conversation with people about life and what Jesus and God's doing in their life, these are the ones that I get the most excuses. You know, do to others what you would have them do to you. Says that's not how the human mind works. Our, our, our flesh, our sin nature says get even. Our world says retaliate. You know, if you grew up in, in you know, Jefferson, Georgia, uh, in the Sykes household, it wasn't ever get even. Let's get ahead. So do to others what you would have them do to you. Oh, I, I like that when it benefits me, and I like it when it's easy and I'm comfortable, but, man, there's times. There's times when that's just too hard, and I'm not going to do it. How about the do love your enemies and pray for them? Well, how about if I just pray for them from over here and I just leave them alone? That's that whole, well, let me just avoid these people that I really don't like, and let me just, I'll do everything I can to, to avoid them, and I'll, I'll pray for their souls, because by golly, they're my enemy. They need it. But Jesus was like, uh-uh. That person asked you to do something, go twice as far. You do twice as much. They, need, they want your jacket, you give them the cloak, you give them the shirt, too. Is love your enemies. Pray for them. And then what about that command found at the end of Matthew chapter 28? Go make disciples who make disciples. What about that command? How you, how you doing on that one, church? I, and look, the sin of omission is, is, is there. If you know that you're supposed to be doing something and you're not doing it, well, I'm not getting them. Well, I don't know how. Well, I don't have the time. There's, there's commands that we often choose not to do the right thing, and we justify our actions and we make excuses. And the Bible is very clear know what is right and you choose not to do it this is Our country that, that if we show up to church 
the average now is like three, like three times per month. If you are a stellar Christian, I mean like the top of the line Christians are coming to church 2.2 times per month. I'm the minister. I've missed the last two weeks. My wife has missed the last month. And we still got vacation days to come. The average Christian thinks if we just show up to church 2.2 times, 30 times a year, hey, we tip y'all on the way out, we give a little money, we serve in some ministries every now and again, that we are okay. We're good. I mean, that, that, that is the mindset of the average Christian. That if I just check these boxes and I give God a little bit of time every now and again, I'm good. But yet God is over here saying, you people are missing the point. Church attendance, that's great. We need to be gathering together. God wants us to come together and to worship and to celebrate him. Hey, giving is good. He knows that, that we cannot serve two masters, and he knows that, that we're better off with 90% or 85%, whatever it is, and, and, and giving back to him is, is best for us. We know that serving is expected, but what matters most to me, God, is that you will love me with the entirety of who you are. Every part of your being, your mind, your heart, your soul, your strength, you're going to love me, and how you love me is demonstrating this to other people. Too many people sitting in churches today. I don't want that love. I want to surrender on a part-time basis. I, I, I want to give you, God, like 75% of my life, and I'm going to manage the other 25%. I'm, I'm going to live for me and do for me, and, and, and I'm going to put me kind of, not like directly on the throne, but like right next to you, God. And so every time when he gets uncomfortable, I can just kind of slide you out of the way and put me up there. And Jesus warns. He says, the road to kingdom living is narrow, and it's challenging, and only a few find it. Hey, but there's a whole lot of people on this other road over here. It's wide. It's smooth. Hey, everybody else is doing it. Let's go with him. And then in verse 10. Kind of summarizes it for us. By this it is evident who are the children of God. Do you see yourself as a child of God? We talked about that earlier, right? That's what I led in with. That God loves you so much and he sees you as a child of God right now. Who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not God. Matthew 6, 33 is to seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Not third, fourth, down, not on down the road. Not after I've served and tried it my way. It's seek first the kingdom. And what righteousness will be given to you? 
Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Now, here we go. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. Church, the word love here is agapo. It's the one. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's none of the others that, that we wish we could insert there. The, the lesser loves, the, 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 the ones that do with the brotherly love. Or the affectionate love. This is the unconditional, I love my brother no matter what. That's who the children of God are. Let's tell the Father. How do we how do we move forward, right? Thanks for walking all over my toes today. One of our ladies, I have invited a couple today. I'm like, oh boy. So I might get a little into it. How do we respond? Walk out of here. I don't want you to be down on yourself. What's, what's, what is the next step? So if you have your community packets, I encourage you to go ahead and get those out and open them up. Make sure you open the, the bread side first. It makes it easier. And then you can open up the, the juice side. Here's the thing. In God's economy, and this is the beauty of God, every moment is an opportunity Every, every moment that we come before the Lord is an opportunity to say, you know what, God, I, I messed up and I repent of what I've done and I don't want to do it again anymore. Will you forgive me? And, and, and God's not like we are as parents, right? Where we kind of have to get over the emotional side of things of being wronged by our kids. Like, like, that's not God. He doesn't have to sit up there and let time pass to, to mull it over. Well, should I forgive them? I mean, they've done this many times, and they've asked for forgiveness many times, and here they are right back. If you come before the Lord right now and say, you know what, Lord? And there's, there's people in my life that I have not loved. And there, there, there's sin in my life right now, God, that choosing just because it serves me and it makes me feel good. This is an opportunity. You come for the Lord and to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm so sorry. Don't want to do this anymore. Will you forgive me? He makes me better. And so that's why every week we and we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. He hung there and his body was broken. Bearing every sin that you and I would face. And he knew that he was going to be experiencing this. And, and he was sitting there at a meal with his disciples. And he broke some bread and he passed it out to them and he said... This is my body. Take it and eat. And then he took some 
footprints. And his blood washes away our sins. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the mercy that you have demonstrated over and over again. God, our, our purity and being pure as you are pure is this lifelong process. And I pray, God, that if, if we're sitting here today and when we're hard-pressed. We don't know. Is there habitual sin in our lives? But I pray that we pray the, the prayer of, of David. Search me, O God, and reveal anything to me that, that disappoints you. I, I, Lord, I pray that we'll be bold enough to pray that prayer and then to live out what you reveal to us. Lord, help us to know your word and to do what you expect. God, that's how we're going to grow. That's, that's when, when I completely give my life to you and say, God, I am yours. Use me this week. God, I'm going to mature in my faith. It may make me uncomfortable. It may require sacrifice. It may require me saying no to my schedule and to whatever. But God, may we be known as children of God. As we surrender to you. We love you, Lord. We pray these things. We ask these things in your name.